All This podcast is brought to you by All This International, supplying your expert AI and digital transformation staffing needs across the US and Europe. Today, you are listening to our AI in Action series, where leading minds in AI from across the world share their story, success, and advice. AI in Action cuts through the hype and explores the true impact of artificial intelligence in our world today. You're listening to AI in Action. I'm your host, JP Valentine. Our guest today is Gary Beasley. Gary is the co-founder and CEO at Roofstock. Gary, welcome to the show. Thanks, JP. Great to be here. Gary, let's start with a background of yourself, please. Could you give us a, a bit of an overview of what your journey has been within technology and from where you got started, some of the steps you've taken along the way, and, and what's led to the, the formation and the idea behind Roofstock? I would describe my career has been pretty much at the intersection of technology and real estate. Started my career more in traditional real estate right out of college, doing financial analysis and learning the fundamentals of that. I went to business school at Stanford, came out and um, actually went back into the real estate field and started to try to do some innovating, innovative things there with real estate investment trusts and really got excited about innovating within the real estate sector, which has been historically very slow to adopt technology and innovation, even though it's one of the largest industries in the world. And so I've had a series of roles within that intersection of real estate and tech. I think the most maybe relevant to Roofstock, which was I'm, what I'm doing now, there's really two roles. One, I was the CFO and ultimately president of a company called Zip, Zip Realty, which was perhaps the first online residential brokerage where we empowered agents with tools and data. And we were the, you know, amongst the first to put complete MLS listings online. And so that I was there for about five years. We took that company public in 2004. And then more recently was involved in the single family rental space as the CEO of a REIT called Starwood Waypoint Residential Trust, which we took public in Uh, 2014. um, And that was one of the first single family rental um, vehicles that was public and that we formed that during the last financial crisis and applied a lot of technology to figuring out how to underwrite homes, acquire them, renovate them, manage them at scale. And so when I was running that business, um, I realized with my co-founders, there could be a pretty cool opportunity to build a platform a marketplace for single family rentals such that they could trade with tenants in place very efficiently in a digital platform. And that's what we've really built at Roofstock. We started the company in 2015 and have been blown and going since then. We're up over 600 people now and have had quite a bit of activity over over 5 billion of of properties sold uh, through the site since we've launched. Amazing. Uh, quite the journey. Um, we'll obviously get into some of the innovations around real estate tech in, in a moment, but your background clearly ties nicely into the idea behind Roofstock. And, and as you've said, you guys are, are absolutely crushing it now up to 600 staff. And congratulations on the, the recent round of funding. It's gigantic, which we'll get to in a minute, how that's going to impact business growth. But taking an overview of, of Roofstock, for anyone who's not familiar, can you break down what the overall mission is of the organization? then what role AI, data science, analytics, machine learning plays on a day-to-day basis? 
Sure. We're, I would say at the very highest level, we believe in a world where everyone from Wall Street to Main Street should have an equal opportunity to build wealth through real estate, full stop. As I mentioned earlier in my career, I was running a couple of very large real estate platforms. What we, we are doing at Roofstock is democratizing access to this asset class, which is about $4 trillion of rental homes in the U.S. that are rented on a long-term basis and making it much easier for investors to access the asset class. And really, our, the technology we've developed and the business processes around it break down the geographic barriers to real estate investing. So normally, JP, if you were looking to buy something as a investment property, you would typically look within an hour's drive of where you live. That's That's what most people do. What we do is open up the whole United States, and no matter where you live in the world, you could be buying homes in over 70 markets around the U.S., sight unseen in a digital way through our platform, and we either provide the management or hook you up with local managers who could do that for you. So it's much more of just a, an investment decision, irrespective of geography. And so um, by putting all the data that, that investors need online to do their diligence, it really breaks down those barriers. And so really sort of think about Rootstock as building really the complete ecosystem for investors in the housing space who want to either trade properties or buy or sell either whole homes or fractions of homes or just own them more efficiently. And, and some of the services we provide directly through our marketplace or directly through some of our services, or we can through our platform, hook you up with other service providers who can serve your needs. Walk us through the journey from when you first launched Roofstock to how you've got to where you are today. 600 people, a huge valuation, massive around the funding. What has that journey been like over the past few years? And in particular, with the the rapid advancement of real estate tech, you guys have been innovators yourselves. And when you look back over the, the last few years since Roofstock first launched where you are today. What are some of the standout moments? And and then tying it all into how you guys innovated on the technology side, if you could. So, you know, I like to joke that the bar is pretty low in real estate tech to, to be successful. It, it is it, an industry that has been, as I mentioned, slow to adopt new technologies. That There's that classic innovators dilemma where a lot of the incumbent players benefit from just the way things have been for many years or oftentimes many decades. And there's a bit of a boiling frog syndrome. I think some of the incumbent players don't realize ultimately the water's boiling and then others come in from the outside and create new ways of doing things. And I think that's happened a lot in the last five or 10 years in, in prop tech, which wasn't even a thing five or 10 years ago. You know, for us, the initial journey was I knew there had to be uh, a, a more efficient way for rental homes to trade because in order to sell them, we were having to vacate them and sell them through the multiple listing service and pay large fees, have a lot of downtime and a really slow process. So really the, the simple idea was how do we verify and vet homes that have tenants in them and sell them with tenants in place? Much more like an apartment building, you'd never vacate that to sell it because you'd be looking at the income, the value of the tenancy. So we started off as a marketplace, just bringing buyers and sellers together to, to buy homes. And then what we realized after um, a couple of years was there was a much bigger opportunity to build a whole platform, a vertically integrated platform that provided 
relevancy to not only investors who are looking to trade at that moment, but all investors who owned properties. And there's about 10 million of them. And so what we did was we started to develop out some technology ourselves. We bought a company called Stessa, which is a pretty cool piece of asset management software that the, the team developed that's a bit like a credit karma for real estate owners. It helps you manage your property portfolio. We get to see all that data and we can provide relevant services or products, offerings to you. And, and so what we realized was with that software and with an ability to map the whole universe, and this is where data has been a really powerful tool for us, is we've mapped all 90 million homes in the U.S. roughly. Um, we know who owned them, if it's a rental home or not, with a fair degree of certainty. We have a view on what the rent you know, is or should be, what the value of the home is, how to contact these people. So imagine this database where all of the future participants of our marketplace are known to us, and we were collecting a lot of data about each of these homes, all of the neighborhoods, trends, things like that. So it provides a real advantage for us, for our platform. So we can match investors with neighborhoods, the characteristics they're looking for. We have a really, I think, a very robust set of tools that help us value homes as investments. So you have a lot of tools out there that just value homes, like a Zestimate and things like that are just based on a backward looking comparables. What we're doing is all we look at all that stuff, but we also are looking at what's going on in the market with investors, and we look we're more forward looking, look at, looking at the buy boxes and the underwriting of investors of those particular homes at that particular time. So it I think allows us to value homes in a more appropriate way for investors, and I think that's every day we get up, yeah, you know, trying to get better and better at coming up with how to value these properties. Yeah, you know, we use a lot of machine learning and, and AI to help us with that. Um, just trying to pull in lots of information, lots of other data points, sort of the particular characteristics of of that particular lat long that might be additive or would detract from value and to what degree. And so, you know, they, no one, including us, has come up with a perfect algorithm to value property, but we're getting better and better. And we're training our models as we go through and we do our own, you know, automated underwriting. Then we have individual underwriters provide some tweaks to it based on observational data. And then we test and see where the property actually trades. And so we're getting, you know, models are getting better and better. I think at at sort of imitating what our uh, humans are doing. You are listening to the oldest podcast. When you're looking to scale your team, or if you are interested in showcasing your company in a future episode, reach out today. Or if you're in the market for a new role, visit our website to view open positions, www.aldis.com. So you've started to talk in more depth about the technology and what you're doing with the data. Can you give us some insight into what it's like on the data team now, the the size, the makeup, the, the various skill sets that you've needed to bring in, just what it looks like day to day as part of the overall AI data science team there. Yeah, we've got a, a pretty good size product and engineering and da- data science team. We probably have um, about a dozen people now working on our data science efforts. It was a, a lot smaller 18 months ago. We've been adding to the team meaningfully recently, continue to. It's been that's an area where it's been challenging to hire really good people. We're always looking for talent in in you know, the data science, data engineering 
overall engineering uh, area. And we do consider that an area of competitive advantage. We, we want people who are curious. I think pretty much all the people we're hiring not only have great kind of fundamental skills, but have a real interest in and passion for what we're building and that natural curiosity and interest in 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 real estate broadly, which helps. And yeah, we're definitely continuing to build out that team. You know, mentioned our, our recent funding. One of the reasons we did raise money when we did was to make sure we have enough runway and fuel in the tank to to really lean in and continue to hire the best people we can and really invest in in the business for the long term. Yeah, just staying on the topic of funding, and you've already talked about what's next. $240 million at a $1.9 billion valuation is pretty remarkable, and it shows that you guys are really industry-leading in your field. And with that, yeah, it's going to be a lot of growth. So staying on the topic of growth and thinking about our audience, mainly data scientists, data engineers, and, and people in related roles, you're still quite heavily involved in the hiring strategically, and you speak to candidates yourself as part of the interview process, depending on level. When you're sitting down with candidates and you're talking to them about Roofstock, its mission, its journey, and what makes it a great place to work, what is it that you tell these candidates about Roofstock specifically that gets them interested and excited about you guys over some of the other great opportunities that are available to them in the marketplace? Well, I, I believe that one of the reasons we've been reasonably successful in hiring really good people and keeping them. It's it's one thing to hire people, it's another thing to keep them is is we have a, an amazing culture at Roofstock and with it's a high performance culture where we we hold each other accountable, we work hard, but we have a very positive culture. And and so I think there's a a way to to do it in in such a way where you're building a great team and you're we're building kind of trust uh, amongst each other. And not all companies adopt that philosophy. I, obviously, I was just watching Super Pumped last night, ironically, which is the, um, the Uber story. And, and Travis uh, Kalanick ha- has a very different view. And he said, if, if you're not an asshole, we don't want you to work. We view it oppositely. In, in an opposite manner, we're not looking to hire jerks. We're looking to hire super smart people who want to be part of the team. And I I personally believe that a championship team is not necessarily all of the best individual contributors, but it's a team that will work together. And your championship NBA team will always be an all-star team. And so that's been our view, our philosophy. We we like to work hard, but we like to have a lot of fun and uh, we enjoy it and, and enjoy building something together. So I would say that's not universally the case across Silicon Valley or really across tech in general. Yeah, it's great to hear it from the the founder and CEO because it, it would certainly resonate with people who have joined Roofstock and stayed there a long time. I know you guys have great retentions in part because you're championing that environment and that would trickle down. Gary, final question from me then. When you look ahead at the, the future of the the real estate tech industry, the future of roof stock, and the impact that you guys can continue to have. What are you most excited about for the next few years? I think it's still early days for really the adoption of tech really deeply in real estate. It, it is, as I mentioned, residential real estate today in the U.S. is about a $35 trillion asset class. And when you look at it globally, obviously even bigger. Tech for real estate I would say real estate tech 1.0 was really all about content 
when you think about the early days, information portals, the early days of Trulia and Zillow, and there's a number of other portals out there, but it's about content. What I think Real Estate 2.0 has been more about more recently is about commerce. So moving from just having data to being able to transact more efficiently, squeezing out a lot of the friction and uh, time, increasing transparency, all those things. I think as we get beyond the 2.0 to, to sort of 3.0, we're starting to look at transformational ways of transacting. And so I think adoption of the blockchain, for example, tokenization, we're in the process of working on some really interesting things in that area, Web3 stuff, where we could, in theory, being able to transact in, a, in an instantaneous and frictionless way, which is ultimately the vision of Roofstock to make you know, part of what we're trying to do is, is in, in order to bring better access and better liquidity is we'd love real estate to trade much more like a stock, right? With, with a high level of transparency, low level of friction. And so that's what I get excited about when you start to see the application of some of these really cool emerging technologies like blockchain, which I had always joked it's, you know, blockchain has sort of been a, a solution in search of a problem to solve. The, one of the problems in real estate is, gosh, there's an awful lot of paperwork that nobody reads. Uh, it's very expensive. It's slow. It lacks transparency. When you put all this on the chain, it, it could transform everything. And we're not there yet. There's still plenty of work to do and, and plenty of work to do to continue to make the, what we're doing better uh, with our core business. But we're constantly pushing the envelope, trying to figure out what could be a step function improvement in the way in, in the customer experience? And so those are the kinds of things that, that get me really excited. And we formed a little task force within Roofstock to go after um, and, and enter into a, um, a competition at Wharton, a blockchain accelerator, where we came up with a tokenization structure and we just presented it a couple of weeks ago. So having that sort of forcing function of a, of an accelerator within our larger company was super fun and we had about a half a dozen people who raised their hand and did that and so we're constantly kind of continuing to remind ourselves yeah we've been around for almost seven years but we're we've got to keep that startup mentality and energy and keep trying things Gary, thank you so much for coming on today. Great to learn about your own background, early adopter of, of real estate tech, and now introducing you know the more advanced technology in the form of AI at Roofstock. You guys have had an incredible journey, and it sounds like you're only just getting started with, with the recent round of funding and the level of hiring. We look forward to seeing what you guys can accomplish in the years ahead. Sounds like a great culture, a fun place to work, and a lot of opportunities to work with some cool data and be part of an emerging and transformative industry. So really Really appreciate your time, Gary. Good luck with everything. Thanks, JP. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Oldest Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and any Android podcast of choice. You can also head over to our website, www.aldis.com, to listen to more podcasts, view our open roles, and stay up to date with industry news. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for more great episodes coming very soon.